Hey, welcome to the Bakesh Podcast. I am your host, Don Dudley, and this is my co-host... George. Sulik. No. Yep. Wait. George. Hey, Jorge. Jorge? You told me we. You told me it was Jorge. Oh. George. <laughs> George. Scott. George. George. Great. Scott. George. So Scott. George Sulik the yeah. third. Yes. Oh, no, I have to clear my throat. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really mad to it. Like at work, every time I um, have to sign something and they print name or they print names out, um, it always I'm like the only one where they do my full name first, middle, and last. So I was like, that's not cool. Um, no, nope. I have to have my last name available because there's another Don I work with. All right. So one time I did a criminal so. check on you um, when I found out you could do criminal checks on all kinds of people. And so I started doing criminal checks on, like, everyone. There apparently are a lot of criminal Don Dudleys. Yep. <laughs> My mom tells a story that they uh, went to, to uh, it might have been a doctor visit or a hospital visit or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hospital was, like, really mad at my dad. And they weren't, like, they didn't want to admit him properly. Or I can't remember what the whole story was. But, like, come to find out there's another guy. Because my dad and I share the same name. Right. Uh, that owed the hospital, like, all this money. Oh, wow. My, my dad had, like, not been there before oh. or whatever. I don't know how... I'm, how they finally cleared up. I don't know. I'm probably missing a whole bunch of the story, but this is, like, in the 80s before you could just, like, you know... Look on the computer or something? Right. Okay. For your social number was, like, for everything <clears throat> kind of thing. But, yeah, I remember that. I always hear that story. But with, there's been... Um, when we lived in Milford, remember the apartment that burned down? Yeah. Uh, they tried to, so I got into a car accident and a guy decided instead of going through the insurance company, he wanted to like sue me. Right. And so, uh, they sent the, what do they call it? Like the papers, Mm -hmm. the subpoena. They sent it to the burned down apartment that we no longer lived in. Oh yeah. So it's like, they just like picked the next Don Dudley out of a hat. They delivered my papers to some guy in Mason. Whoa. So I never knew, and he signed for him and I never knew about it until, like much later, and I had to go like rectify the whole situation, and it was a big pain in the butt. Oh wow! But long story short, the insurance, my insurance, ended up paying for it in the end. Okay, and it was I, such I think a, I remember that. Yeah, it was such a small. It was like twenty three hundred bucks. Whoa! I'm like, why did this guy sue instead of just going through the insurance company? Right. I, I doubt they were like, oh no, buddy, we're not paying this one. They're probably like, oh, twenty three hundred. Yeah, sure. Well, I wonder if they had insurance. Did they? doesn't matter. It was my fault. Right. But if they don't have insurance and someone finds out, I don't know what the rule is. Uh, I was I was turning out on a really weird intersection and there's there's parking on the side of the street that I was turning out on. And I like I looked, you know, left, looked right, looked left. And then I started to go and the car came out of the right. Oh. Either it was hidden by the, the cars I didn't see or he like just made a turn. Right. He basically took off the whole front end of my car. So either it was because... Maybe the insurance said, hey, it's your fault for going too fast or something, or they tried to play games with him. I don't know. But he ended up, instead of just going through my insurance, he just sued me. And then I had to go back to that insurance company, who shall remain nameless, um, and tell them they had to pay for it. And they're like, no, we don't. You're not our customer anymore. So I had to talk to their lawyer to find out how to pay for, to how to get that insurance company to pay for the car accident. Oh, my gosh. So And they did. They told me the secret of... How to make them pay. Okay. But it was just kind of... I, I don't like insurance companies. Anytime you get into a car accident, no. My last one worked out really well. Um, somebody rear-ended me in a movie theater parking lot. Mm-hmm. And there's like... They uh, they had like 10 different body shops in the area that they worked with where they would do everything digitally. Like there's mm-hmm. no paperwork or whatever. Yeah. And uh, they worked with ones that uh, had rental car, any enterprise rental car nearby. If it wasn't nearby, they'd obviously send the rental car to pick you up because enterprise will do that or whatever. And um, like they were name brand shops. Like it wasn't like, you know, hey, this is Joe's shop on the corner. (laughs) It was like actual legitimate. One of them, the one I went with was nationwide. Okay. um, Just because I figured a better shot, you know, of whatever. Dropped the car off, went right next door, got a rental car, drove that for a week, came back there, dropped the rental car off, went one door down, and picked up my car. Oh, that's nice. So yeah, it worked out well. Okay. It wasn't too bad. Okay. But that's probably the most seamless car accident I've ever had. I think on the way back from um, 
hiking, weren't we trying to figure out who uh, has been through more car accidents and cars or something yeah. like that, which is which is a sad conversation to have. I had the one the guy rear-ended me on the highway. I was sitting and I got stuck in stop traffic, mm-hmm. and um, he obviously did not see all the stop traffic in front of him, <laughs> and he rear-ended me. And that that insurance company like played hardball with me. I was like, there was road construction. Mm-hmm. Nobody was moving, and your guy didn't stop. Like, what are you trying to do here? Like, well, I, just pay, I, pay for the car. I had one where the lady came into my lane, hit me head on, and they tried to blame me for, what, one-third or one-fourth of the accident because I didn't swerve quick enough. I was like, wait, <laughs> lady came into my lane she like and left hit to center. me head on, and I'm partially to blame because I didn't get out of the way quick enough. I, I had one. I was, uh, gosh, was I 16, 17, 17 or 18. And I was turning into work, into the parking lot at work. Mm-hmm. Right hand turned into a parking lot. And a guy just like rear-ended me. And they came at me for 10% of it because I did not execute my turn fast enough. And the evidence that they had is that I said that I had, I had turned my blinker on. So oh. I indicated that I was going to turn... Slowed down to make the turn, but I did not execute the turn fast enough, so it was ten percent my fault. What? And I didn't know at the time. There's that whole like subjugation where your insurance company fights for you yeah. in, in Ohio, at least. Right. So I just I ate it. I ate that ten no. percent. Yeah. So I ended up paying like ten percent of the bill, ten percent of the car rental, like ten percent of my medical bills, like oh, all that no. kind of. I had no idea. And so ever since then, I'm like, well, who cares if you use your turn signal? <laughs> like, well, I think you obeyed the law. Yeah. I do, I do it when I'm feeling friendly. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, this is not car talk. I guess we should probably right, talk I'm sorry. about it. No, 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 no. We're, we're, it's usual. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. We, we got usual. a normal banter, and then we get yeah. into Deuteronomy. So what I would say is, kids, get a good lawyer. <laughs> well, it kind of, I guess it doesn't fit much into this week. It fit more into last week, well, and wait, then next wait, week. Re- really quick. Get an insurance agent. That's oh, yeah. what I did. It's so much better than going alone. Mm-hmm. So it's like having an intermediary between you and the insurance company. So what you're saying is it's kind of like Jesus, where he is our <laughs> mediator between... Yeah, yeah it's like, it's, it's, it's our, not like they're sacrificing the, anything, it's actually get paid. The but, yeah. judgment we... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work, work scripture it's, in here. It's, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a weak analogy. <laughs> right. <but it's> analogy. <laughs> so we're going to start chapter 18 today. <laughs> so thank you for uh, listening once again to Car Talk. Um, so, oh, I want to just kind of... So I, I was talking to, to someone uh, this weekend, and I, I told you this the other day, but uh, I was talking to someone this weekend, and we were, we were talking about Deuteronomy, and, and he was talking about um, you know the New Testament, the Sermon on the Mount, and, you know, we had talked about that uh, a long ago in, in our podcast. We saw a lot how Jesus pulls a lot out of the, the Ten Commandments and in different parts of Deuteronomy when he's on the Sermon on the Mount. So, so you see him pulling a, a lot of those Ten Commandments, kind of the, the law or the covenant that was given, you know, on Mount Sinai. And the, the, this guy came to me, uh, the, the, one of my buddies that I was talking to, and he says, you know, he's like, Scott, did you know that Jesus talks a lot about Deuteronomy and the Ten Commandments on um, when, when he's doing the Sermon on the Mount? I was like, oh, yeah, we, we kind of did a, a podcast and a study on that uh, a bunch of weeks ago or a bunch of months ago. And he's like, but did you also think that God gave the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai? But Jesus also gave the Sermon on the Mount, or the Sermon on the Mount, on a mountain as well. So, so it's like two covenants, kind of given out. Um, we we chatted a bit about. It. So we went on a, a long hike in the woods mm-hmm. with mountains and stuff. Um, did we? I was kind of asking, like, so what do you think the significance of mountain is? Did you ever do any follow I up on that? Didn't get a chance to look Dang. into that. No. I was hoping that's what you're gonna say. No, I just, I just thought that it would. Never be mind cool. that leading question. That never happened. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I just thought it would be cool to kind of share it since we had talked about it on yeah. the podcast originally, just to kind of take it even further. Where just like God gave the Ten Commandments, um, you know, on on a, on a mountain. Um, Jesus also gives the Sermon on the Mount, which ends up going back to really that that's that same thing at Sinai, uh, or Deuteronomy and, th- and that sort of the thing at Sinai. Well, this also happened on a mount as well, uh, or a mountain as well. And so I just thought that was kind of cool. What the significance is, I don't know. Well, but yeah. if someone wants to kind of do a study on that, I know we were kind of 
I'm, I'm worried there's probably some like super simple, easy thing that like every other Christian has known for the last thousand years. We're like, no, it's on a mountain. And we're the dumb mm-hmm. ones. <laughs> yeah. You're like, we already knew that. I was like, well, that was new to me. Yeah, that's pretty um, cool though. Yeah. But anyway, so I don't know. What, what is the significance? I don't know. But, but uh, you see basically God giving both the old and the new covenant out at, at, on a mountain um, where he's addressing kind of the exact same thing on a mountain, different mountains, but, but still a mountain. Sorry about that. No, that's fine. I'm he moved the microphone from my face. Someday I will learn how to record us, and it won't suck. <laughs> Someday I will learn how to talk into a microphone properly. No, you you drift back and forth a lot. Oh, okay. So you're like way up here, and then you're way back here. I can hear you, and then you're back in it. So ADD right here. I need and to get a extreme. I need to get a different kind of mic for you. Someday, one that like rocks picks. back and forth with me. No, you can get like one that will pick up uh, like. Everything as opposed to that, that one is picking up like what's right in front of it. Oh, okay. Okay. So I still have that old one. I wonder if I could throw it in over there for you. Okay. Well, maybe the I one would... that didn't die. Remember, we had two of them. One died. One lived. Oh, did we have one that still lived? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I might try that out. Okay. So anyway, yeah, he's always yelling me in front of the microphone. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So yeah. anyway, yeah, if you're whispering, it's usually me saying, go to the left. Yep. So hey, do you want to read eighteen one through? Eight, and we'll start with that. I can do that. I say as I drift out of the range of the microphone. So we are on chapter 18, and we talked about last week uh, or a couple weeks ago or whenever you heard this podcast, um, we talked about uh, injustice and how God doesn't like injustice but but likes justice, how sometimes uh, there are certain cases that can get difficult, and so uh, we can go to the priests and, and the judges uh, to go ahead and help um, figure those out. We talked about how God, if, we, if Israel wants a king, um, how God um, encourages a different type of king than, than the other nations have. And so now we are getting into some priests, some Levites, some abominable practices, and, um, and some prophets today. So, so we're kind of talking about uh, some of the, the leadership that uh, Israel is, is given and how God kind of provides for that leadership. Um, and we'll start with chapter 18, verse 1, and go through verse 8. The Levitical priests, all the tribe of Levi, shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's food offerings as their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance, as he promised them. And this shall be the priest's due from the people, from those offering a sacrifice, whether an ox or a sheep, they shall give to the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks and the stomach, the first fruits of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the first fleece of your sheep you shall give him. For the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons for all time. And if a Levite comes from any of your towns out of all Israel where he lives, and he may come when he desires to the place that the Lord will choose and ministers in the name of the Lord his God, like all his fellow Levites who stand to minister there before the Lord, then he may have equal portions to eat besides what he receives from the sale of his patrimony. All right. So... Um, anything kind of stick out there? Any <laughs> wisdom we have, or um, just some things that we've probably talked about uh, in the past, or if not, they're just kind of like Old Testament staples that people uh, have probably talked about. Uh, one we talked about before. I know we talked about it. The Levites had no land; they had no specific area shaded out for them, or like border drawn for that particular tribe. Mm-hmm. They were God's people, and they were instead of uh, you know, getting financial gain or getting land or anything like that. Oh, where's the Jacob, bro? Oh, no. Lay on spread. Ah, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> the Levites are boring. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, instead, they had to rely on God fully to provide for them. And then he was uh, just, you know, giving food the way that um, you would expect. Uh, they're getting portions of the animal sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, so that kind of a side tangent a lot of people are like well why god like the smell of burnt offerings so much and it's like one like that's not up for you to worry about and two it was a way that he was providing for the priests right. so they were you know it getting uh you know a, a benefit of the sacrifice they were getting a blessing from it um oh what you got 
And from what I understanding, they were getting probably a good portion of it. So, I mean, some of the things that they got... Yeah, I tried to research why those specific portions, the cheeks and the stomach and the shoulder, um, and I couldn't find any significance. Yeah, yeah I, I just put... I think I actually marked, I was like, hmm, is this good? Like, is this the good part? I was like... What do you um, mean cheeks, man? Right. <laughs> but, I mean, they still got, like, the first fruits of their grain and wine and oil um, and the first fleece of, of, of their sheep. So... You see that their clothes and their food, mm-hmm. at least that part, seems to be pretty good. Now, whether well, the stomach and cheeks were any good, uh. What's actually interesting is I, I did find a little bit about um, wine, oil, and grain. Oh, really? Go for it. <coughs> uh, it's, it's nothing amazing. Oh, okay. Uh, actually, it's quite mundane. It's the, it's the standard staples of the land, and it's seen uh, many times throughout the Old Testament. That was kind of like what people thrived on. It was wine, oil, and grain. So... In putting in today's context, you would say like milk, bread, and eggs. Oh, okay. So it was it was it was a very common blessing for people. It was you know, kind of the you know it's your Aldi store staples that you go and get. They're relatively abundant. Um, it was what you made a lot of other things with. It was mm-hmm. what you you know grain you could make bread. Grain you could use as a you know different meal choices or whatever. Right. I can't think of anything besides bread. Um, Cause I'm like, well, they probably didn't make uh, bread eggs. Yeah. It, oil was like the foundation for either <laughs> cooking or eating. And it was part of uh, like your, your balanced breakfast or whatever, you know? So these are just kind of the things. Um, the so other part being, so ultimately God providing for their basic needs then. Yeah. And then like with the wool sheared from sheep, um, once again, I think that was more along the lines, I didn't get anything on this. I was trying to see if I have any in my notes. Nothing about the sheep being, the, that wool being anything special outside of the fact that it would have been uh, probably some of the best wool, though, because it would have right. been the without blemish or spot. And, you know, it would have been some of the best, you know, wool available to turn into whatever you're using it for. Right, right. So, so it still doesn't answer the question of does that mean when I order meat, I should ask for the shoulder, some cheeks, or some stomach? So, the stomach I can understand because it would probably be super rich in nutrient. Mm-hmm. The shoulder I can understand because hey, at least there's also meat on there. Okay. The cheeks though, like I've one I don't think I've ever seen like cow cheeks for sale. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, Jungle Jim's might. And Jungle Jim's is kind of a. It's a local. They got everything. Grocery store, yeah, that has like all your normal stuff plus like some exotics, mm-hmm. so th- things like kangaroo or yep. uh, alligator stuff like that that you don't find at your typical local grocery store um but the whole idea that like cheeks man what is it, are they fatty are they good for flavor does it taste good like i don't know well apparently we need to go to jungle gems I, but here's the other <laughs> part like is that kosher is it kosher to eat that part of the cow i mean i guess well, it is apparently i mean clean, if it's if it's here i mean that's disgusting. apparently it does that's gross i don't know it doesn't seem right to me man um, hey. Oh, the did we go down that part? Five, seven. Let me reread. Uh, so we went through eight. Yeah, let me let me reread this really quick. So, uh, for the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribe to stand and minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons for all time. Um, the standing before Yahweh, there, the standing and ministering before the Lord. I think it's also repeated in. Oh, it's just five and seven. For some reason, I thought it was eight as well. Um, that saying there basically uh, is the same word regardless of what it's referring to. So in this case, it's saying minister before Yahweh. It could also be like minister before the people. It could be ministering before their family. Um, the word that's used for minister here is serve, and it's uh, used in both like common serving like if you were serving people a meal, if you're serving people by being a servant, like in, in the lowest rung, but it's also used for the divine service before God. Oh. So it's got, there's no distinction in the word and no, like, you know, separating your service, whether it is before man is a very uh, humble, lowly act, or if it's the service before God that would be, you know, so it, I think. I didn't, I'm inferring this. I'm not saying this is gospel in any way, shape, or form, but I feel that with there being no separate word, because a lot of times you'll have like a formal word for something, and then you'll have like an informal word for something. We do that a lot in, you know, almost every language. Like there's right. that, you know, that word that when you're referring to something, 
like this distinguished, you kind of, it might be a word you use less commonly or like people know what you're talking about. And I'm in my head, I'm trying to think of a freaking example and I can't come (laughs) up with anything. Um, so, uh, automobile. Okay. When we think like, oh yeah, he drives a car. At that point, you're like, oh, Chevy, Hyundai, it could be anything. But when right. you're like, oh, he drives, an, he drives an automobile, you immediately start thinking like, oh, maybe BMW or Lexus. Like, you, you know, okay. you kind of get more of a, a, a snazzy term, you, you know, right. uh, onto it. But and th- that happens a lot in Hebrew as well. There's a lot of distinctive word differences between something that's common and something that's supposed to be, you know, especially like relating to something divine in nature. Right. But serving doesn't change. And we see a lot of like even Jesus saying like I I didn't come to be served I came to serve mm-hmm. like this whole ministering this whole serving it seems to be so important that like there is no distinction between the word and its use okay it's very common so I kind of blabbed on that I just thought it was kind of interesting that okay. serving we we even look at um the word that we use for deacon mm-hmm. in the New Testament, its root is a servant. Oh, okay. Um, so I just find that to be, once again, you know... From the beginning, you see where serving is is a very important aspect of God's character. Thank um, you. Yes. And <laughs> one that we should model, model as his um, being made in his image or, or as... When I think a lot of times we think of clergy to be kind of maybe higher... They, they have a, a deeper understanding of scripture or they have like years of schooling behind them. Or unfortunately we've seen uh, like the Catholic church, like put rings on the Pope's finger. Somebody fell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you hear the loud thump, somebody upstairs hit the bottom. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, you see like, you know, you churches that have like brilliant gold and silver and everything you have uh, even in Protestant, uh, like you see, oh gosh, um, should I name drop? When I think of stodgy ministers, I think of MacArthur, John mm-hmm. MacArthur. Right. Like, I think of a guy that probably has a suit that costs a thousand or more, mm-hmm. um, nicely pressed, probably has somebody that does that for him, probably has somebody that runs into his dry cleaning. Like, I don't think of the Levitical priests that are serving. Got it. Like, I, and no disrespect to John MacArthur. Like, I, and just because sometimes, like, he says things that make me mad. I know that he does have like a really good theology, but sometimes he just doesn't know when to shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just lost all the MacArthur. <laughs> um, I'm giving him credit where credit's due, but he also needs to just yeah. mm-hmm. like me. Sometimes I need to shut up, <laughs> and I'm not saying that just to try and make things better. Sometimes I just go too far and I start talking smack about John MacArthur. Right. But I cannot imagine John MacArthur like getting his hands dirty. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately that's like what not just MacArthur, but a lot of people I kind of see uh, in Protestantism, especially like the more renown they have or the more fame they have. Like I feel they're not the people that are serving at the highest level. However, we see here the Levitical priests are serving at the highest level. Right. We see the son of God come to serve at the highest level by making themselves the most humbled and the, you know, the lowest servant. So mm-hmm. I'm off my soapbox now. So, so and if you're mad at me about what I said about John MacArthur, you can email us at bakesh at outlook.com and you can yell at me till your heart's content. That and would be big, bold, capital letters for the entire email. Yeah, if you need to. And I will wholeheartedly take your rebuke because <laughs> I probably deserve it after that whole so, thing there. So being a servant is important, um, whether you are in high leadership or whether you are are not. And and I think we even see that picture last week when we were in chapter 17 when although you have a king you're not supposed to regard yourself as necessarily better than everyone else but but you are are, are to lead by example. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think we we continue to see that idea of of servant um kind of shared throughout all of scripture whether you're Old Testament or New Testament and I think Jesus just emphasizes that um throughout many of his teachings in the New Testament and um, throughout many of his teachings in the New Testament. So uh, I think that the pointing out servant is, is probably a pretty good thing um, because then we get to continue to see kind of how God has created as, as, as a, us as a servant. So when you see, when you see the word minister in the Old Testament, there's, there's a good chance that it, that root is that word for serve. So you can really, as you read it, um, maybe swap it in there. Like uh, I'll read this really quick, verse 7. Um, 
and serves in the name of the Lord his God, like all fellow Levites who stand to serve there before the Lord. So it becomes a different, you know, just kind of a different feeling to it. It puts things in, in a little bit of a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So once again, I don't know if it's super important that the word has no difference between like a, the vulgar and the divine mm-hmm. or the common and the distinct or whatever, but I just, I find that highly interesting. That there's no difference. And Grisanti points out that there's no difference, but then doesn't tell you why. Right. And Grisanti, that's the commentary I'm using, the guy that wrote it. He just says, yeah, there, when you see this word, regardless of the article, like it means to serve. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. You know, kind of. Right. So. And, 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 and part of studying scripture is, is yes, probably getting some stuff for, for the, um, mm-hmm. from commentaries and things like that if we don't necessarily know the root meanings or the historical cultural background. But I think that gives us a deeper understanding into sometimes um, the whole of scripture or even contextually what, what's happening. And, and I think God can use some of that knowledge sometimes to, to give us a deeper understanding of, of, of what it is that we're reading um, as, as we kind of study. Yeah, so. So, and remember, if you're out there to be, uh, if you're in seminary, you're looking to become a priest, uh, not a priest, <laughs> uh, you're, looking, you're looking to become clergy, uh, maybe take the, the verses that talk about serving maybe a little deeper, a little more to heart, right. a little more seriously. It's not just a, a byproduct, apparently. It seems like it's a very important aspect of our lives. Yeah, and I think if you if you call yourself a believer by any means, um, I think it's one of those things. If you have, oh any yeah, yeah, that wasn't just to future oh, right. <laughs> pastors. If, and if you have clergy. any any leadership responsibility, or if you just love Jesus, I think God, I think we're called to be servants, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes that means to the detriment of ourself. Um, and um, but I think at the same time, um, when you lose your life, you save it, and I think there's something very real about that um, when when we learn to serve and and, and live that way. So, um, well, while we're talking about serving, some of the responsibilities um, of the tribe of Levi, not necessarily mentioned in Deuteronomy, um, but would have been mentioned um, probably in uh, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Um, uh, I also think I have some Second Chronicles, some Nehemiah in there as well. Um, part of the, the service that they have is they have the service of the sanctuary, um, especially the role of a priest at the altar. Um, they were basically put in charge of the preservation and the teaching of the law, which would have been huge. Um, and, and some people might say, well, well, what if people don't give? What if people don't give their sacrifice or they don't bring their stuff to the temple or, or the Levites aren't being... Um, um, aren't being taken care of by 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 the first fruits and 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 by the things that, that people are uh, bringing to the temple and and part of that I think would have been the the job and the role of the Levites to make sure that that they are are teaching the law um, and that people are are being obedient with that. Um, they also held the role of judge, so they had judicial roles as as we read in chapter seventeen, um, and also they had military duties as well. Um, so, so they had multiple different um, roles within, um, really within, um, within their job description. Um, so they, they were definitely working and serving for the people, and God was also providing. And, and as long as people were being obedient, they would always have been taken care of. Um, their basic needs would have been met, and um, the people would have been also obedient to God as well. So it was kind of a, a win, 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 win situation all the way around. And if not, fire rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Right, yeah. Or Babylonians. What about locusts? And, uh, oh, they start with an A. Who are they? I don't know. Who are they? The A's? Fear-based warfare starts with an A. Oh, why am um, Assyrians. Yes. (laughs) I was like, I see them in my head. Uh, Yeah, they're Um. the the ones that would, like, drive a spike through your belly button and lead you out through the city. And you're like, oh, belly button piercing is nothing. No, I'm talking like a spike. Yeah. yeah. Not a little needle. Or they would put a, um, they would chain, they look, chain different body parts together using spikes and pull you by it and say, if you don't want this to happen to you, surrender. And by the way, they're probably still alive at this point um, as some of those things are going down. So No, no, the Assyrians are later. Right. You don't get that till kings. I don't think that people group, if they were around, they were not very organized yet. Right. But the Assyrians still weren't very nice Was you were dragging them around as they were dragging oh, you no. around. Oh, oh, you meant those people. I thought you meant like the Israelites. Were, I was like, no, no, that's like a few hundred no, years. No, no, no. The oh, Assyrians right, were right. still very brutal and, yeah, and yeah, they, didn't necessarily kill you right away. No, they um, often, they would, um, 
man, different podcast. Yeah. But they, they would uh, <laughs> cut off the heads of their enemies and they would put them on sticks and they would put them outside the gates of the city where anybody coming or going would see them and basically say, you have, you know, two days to pay tribute to us or to surrender or everybody in your city will end up like these people that we have put their heads on the pole kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were the first noted fear-based warfare. They would use terrorism before terrorism really existed to scare you into surrendering. And, and I really get it, interesting. I get why Hezekiah was upset or scared. I would yeah. have been too, but that doesn't uh, mean he should have. So did he pay the tribute or was that a lie? I thought it was his dad who paid the tribute. Uh, no, it was... Um, was it was it the steel was it no it wasn't the Taliban steel that was the david the prism uh i'm going to look it up really quick i can't uh, remember um it tells the story of the assyrian king sennacherib's prism okay yeah i didn't have to look it up i just had to remember yes. the king's name uh his account of it is that i had hezekiah in israel caged up like a bird um and I thought he bragged about them paying tribute, even oh, though they did not. Oh, yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm um, going to Google that. But that was really his fun. account. Right. That wasn't necessarily the other account. I don't think he ever finished that, right? Wasn't it? In, wasn't the... Yeah, he just leaves it open-ended. Right. Did you know I don't know how to spell Sennacherib? Uh, I don't either. <laughs> um, so don't ask me how. My, my, my daughter had some spelling words this week, and, I'm, and she's in second grade. And I was like... I don't know how to spell quadrilateral without um, Google telling me that I need to correct it. It says, come on, where's the actual reference on there? Let's see here. Hezekiah was shut up in Jerusalem like a caged bird. Hezekiah's mercenaries and Arabs deserted him. Um, Hezekiah eventually buying off Sennacherib and giving him uh, jewels, ivory, his own daughters, and some musicians. It states Hezekiah became a tributary ruler. I use I have the text somewhere translated in English, but I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that it leaves it like I had him caged up like a bird, and then there's like nothing. Like he right. doesn't say like what happened. It's like well, half your army died in the middle of the mm-hmm. night. Is what well, I was gonna say. <laughs> he was caged like a bird for a short time. Yeah, and then uh, God uh, kind of showed otherwise. Yeah, so. I don't. Yeah, that's a. Hey, if you guys get bored, read up about. <laughs> there's a lot of archaeology um, out there that's very interesting to read about. Like, uh, the Teldane Steel talks about the mm-hmm. House of David for the first time. Uh, Sennacherib's Prism. Uh, what's the one? Let's not get into this. Okay. So anyway, I, yeah, different sorry. podcast. Maybe uh, once we finish Deuteronomy, we'll get into some. Or maybe we just maybe we just we'll do it sometime. Oh, anyway, yeah. okay. Right. Nobody says we have to make everything. That is true. Match. Deuteronomy. Yeah. Okay. All and right. What we did about biblical resources that we had. Nobody was oh, like, yeah. oh, it wasn't about Deuteronomy. So we can do enemies of Israel. Yeah. Ooh, that's Ooh. like a great little enemies of Israel. I'm putting that in bold. All right, Israel's enemies of Israel. So if you want to read the rest. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so anyway. Let's read about um, abominations. We had a very, all right, so sorry about the tangent, everyone. All right, so with that, um, we are going to be now chapter 18, um, verse 9 through um, 14. 14. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, uh, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you are about to dispossess. Listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Well, I'd say first of all, it's kind of interesting and and I don't know they're 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 kind of combining abominable practices being the sacrifice of children with um basically magic worship or seeking basically seeking a future from either someone that that looks at that or speaks to the dead or does stuff to the dead or has magical powers or or I don't know um so apparently these seem very abominable <laughs> Like the abominable snowman. <laughs> That's what keeps oh. going through my head every time I say that. 
And then that little, like, you know, Rudolph cartoon. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Sorry. It does not hold up well the more you watch that. No, it doesn't. Sad piece of work. I know. (laughs) I used to love that as a kid. And now I'm like, I can't wait till it comes on. And then I watch it and I'm like, ooh. Like, man, those those guys are jerks. (laughs) Um, Oh, oh, he can help them and they want him back now. Right. I see how it goes. Um, Sorry, this is the podcast of uh, of Tangents. tangents. Yeah, this is the demonstrating what happens when you watch too much TV as a kid and don't have an attention span when you grow up. Um, yeah, this is um, a, a, actually a deeper section than I think a lot of people realize because a lot of people will kind of disconnect from it um, right, off the, uh, right off the bat. So it says, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. And then they start listing them in verse 10. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter uh, as an offering. So immediately, um, hold on, it's going to make noise. Stop scam, Michael. I gotta disconnect that from the computer. Oh, so my, what, my phone rings on there to tell me that the same scam is calling me. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so once people see that, everyone's like, "Well, wait a minute. I've never sacrificed my son or my daughter, so I'm." They automatically disconnect from the mirroring of their own sin. Mm-hmm. They, they automatically say, "Okay, so the people of the land, the Canaanites." were this ultimate evil that were sacrificing their sons and daughters. And then when you read down the list, you start thinking more and more like, oh, yeah, that's definitely not me, because that first one is so ostentatious. Like, it's so out there that it's it's easy to disconnect going down. It's easy for your brain to say, oh, yeah, I would never do that, so I'm automatically not like them. And as it goes down the list, he says, like, um, practices divinations or tells fortunes or interprets omens. So divination, practicing divination is just the... Uh, word for speaking to the dead. Mm-hmm. It's for conjuring the dead or trying to talk to ancestors. And I know so many people that grew up freaked out by Ouija boards mm. and then claimed they were never as bad as the Canaanites. And I'm like, wait a minute. Do you know what the purpose behind your Ouija board was? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's to speak with the dead. You have practiced divination once you've done that. Um, I would go on to argue anytime people, and I know I can catch a lot of flack for this, um, but I don't care. <clears throat> um, I already made fun of MacArthur. Now I'm going to make fun of you, dear listener. <laughs> um, when something happens and you're, you say, hey, you know what? I think I was uh, protected because I felt Aunt Betsy was still in the room or um, I felt like they were there with us where I did that and I felt like I honored that person. Um, I felt their presence in the room kind of thing. I think that that borders on potential divination mm-hmm. um, when, when you kind of make room for the dead in a weird sort of way. If you put a shrine in your home towards someone who's dead, like you're, you know, uh, and I'm pulling this from my background. So if it seems kind of weird to yours, but this is something that was common uh, growing up, maybe somebody died in your family and they had like a favorite chair. Uh, that chair would kind of become a shrine where you're like, nobody sat. You weren't supposed to sit. There's a kid you would be like, no, no, get off. That's Grandpa So-and-So's chair. And well, Grandpa So-and-So's dead, but it's there kind of like is this like place where Grandpa So-and-So was supposed to be sitting even though he's dead. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, or or, uh, a cabinet door would shut or something weird would happen. Your lights would flicker and somebody like, oh, that's just Uncle Joe. Since he died, he's, you know, right. He still lets us know he's with us. It's like all of that is might not be outright conjuring or outright consulting the dead, but you are practicing divination and the fact that you're leaving something behind for the dead that does not exist. Right. And I probably about 10, 15 years ago, somewhere in that range, uh, I used to really, uh, here comes my pagan side. Um, I, I really thought that the artwork around Dia de los Muertos was really cool. Like, I really liked the uh, the sugar skulls. I liked the artwork. I liked the flowers. I liked the juxtaposition of life and death. And to the point where I would kind of look forward to that time of year, because like I got to see like the art and the things that I actually admired about like the the Hispanic culture with Day of the Dead. That's what Dia de los Muertos is. Right. It's uh, Day of the Dead. Once you really read into what Day of the Dead is, it is not a pretty holiday. It is by it is the complete opposite of a beautiful holiday because it is a day of communing with the dead. It's a day of paying debts for the dead. It's a day of um, 
trying to breach across the divide to speak to those who have passed on, you know, for whatever reason, it's a divination holiday. Um, and like I said, that's been something I've struggled with because from an artwork perspective, from an artistic side, I really, really think it's kind of a neat look. Like I said, and I don't know, maybe it's because I, you know, have a lot to repent of or some really bad morbid side. But from a Christian standpoint, I cannot co-op that holiday. I can't redeem it because mm-hmm. there's, I mean, I don't think there's anything redeemable about it outside of a memorial day. Like just right. remembering, like, oh man, it's good to remember so-and-so who passed on before us. But like so much of that holiday is so much deeper than that. And right. it's, a, it, it's a sad thing and it's a scary thing if you think about it. Mm-hmm. So that so okay we got that I kind of over on that so then you're going down the list and it's like well anybody who um, tells fortunes or interprets omens I know a bunch of Christians that for some reason check their horoscopes or they believe their fortune cookies or you know they I I dated somebody whose family was super charismatic don't. Do it like they wouldn't let their kids read Harry Potter because of the sorcery, you know, like very, very like anti witchcraft, anti all this stuff. But they w- had a tradition in their house where if you got a fortune cookie, you would break it open, eat half of it, read the fortune. If you accepted it, then you would read the other half or eat the other half. Wow. When I read a fortune cookie, I just put like in the bathtub afterwards. <laughs> I, I don't even like read them because they're in my mind stupid. Mm. Um, it's like, but that is, those are the little things that get, that kind of creep in that people don't pay attention to the interpreting omens or telling fortunes, or they think it's, it's funny to read their horoscope or to, Mm -hmm. you know, believe a fortune cookie. I've seen people that good Christian friends have taken the fortune cookie and put it on their refrigerator or, you know, they've like, you know, put it in their car somewhere or whatever. Do when I bought my car, when I cleaned it out, I found like two or three little fortune cookie things. Oh, no. So whoever I bought it from was a Satanist. Oh, no. Or an American Christian. That could be true, too. Yeah. Well, ab- abominable, abominable practices. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, is, is a lot of times we, we don't really we don't really think about that stuff all the time. And unf- you know, I, I think since I've read this, I've actually really thought more about um, these sort of things where, where I've had conversations with Sarah going, ooh, I mean, really many of these practices, again, really as simple as a fortune cookie or as simple as, oh, I mean, a fortune cookie or a horoscope or what zodiac sign are you or or all yeah. of these things. I, I mean, those horoscopes very much are are exactly the abominable practices that, that we're being told not to participate in. And, mm-hmm. and and I think even as we enter the passage, it says, when you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you, you should not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. Well, that's kind of what we're dealing with. I mean, as Christians, there are all, are all kinds of abominable practices and things that the world does. And, and sometimes it just becomes a part of the culture. It becomes really normalcy in a way, but in all reality, God hates those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know this has made me even more aware of some of those things. And, and, and I, I like to play video games. I'm not like a, one of those that I play lots and lots and, and lots of video games for hours. And, and Sarah loves that. Usually I, I play when friends come over. I love multiplayer games. Or I'll ride during the winter, I'll ride my bike downstairs uh, on a bike trainer and I'll play some video games. But it's even made me think through some of the video games that that are there and and the amount of, you know, you have magic or you have this or you're choosing to do this. And yes, it's a video game, but at the same time, it's it's things in our culture that that just kind of go through as okay. Um, and, and again, I don't know how far to take that or how not. And, and, and I don't know if I want to get into the Harry Potter issue or, or any of those things because... From my own perspective, I've, I've really been contemplating and reflecting over it, um, and I don't want to be one of those weird, crazy Christians that are like, you know, everything I can't eat, touch, or whatever, but right. at the same time, are the, some just, of those things legitimate things to think about? The, just kind of a, as a side note, the same person I dated before, um, they would not allow their kids to eat the... Are you familiar with Jelly Bellies? Uh, yeah. You like put two different flavors together. It could taste something really weird. It uh-huh. could t- it, you could put like a, a blueberry and a grape together, and for some reason it tastes like a chocolate sundae. But if you put like a blueberry and a cherry together, it tastes like uh, vomit or uh-huh. you know boogers or something yeah. like that. 
Um, there's a Harry Potter one that came out uh, years ago, probably like at the height of the first movie and stuff like that. They would not let their kids get the Harry Potter jelly bellies. The only thing that was different about those, besides maybe a couple of flavors, was like the branding on the package. <laughs> it's like they're all made in the same factory. And they're like, okay, these ones go into the Harry Potter branded <laughs> ones, and these go into the regular ones. And uh, they wanna, they were what you were just talking about. They're right. the Christians that would not let their kids eat from the Harry Potter altar right. kind of thing. Right. But and Paul, Paul released us from that later. Like, yeah. we can eat the meat sacrificed <laughs> idols. That means the jelly bellies that are made yeah, in the, the same Harry factory. Pot, if they taste good, you can, you know, <laughs> you're not diabetic. And <laughs> but, but it's one of those that, that, you know, and sometimes, like, if I've had conversations with friends, and it's like, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's, it's just this or it's just this. But, but when you think that God puts these abominable practices in the same category as child sacrifice... Right. <laughs> um, I, I mean, and I don't know if that's why it was put there, but, but all of these things have one thing in common. It's trying to figure out your future outside of God. And then you have child sacrifice in there, and, and they put these abominable practices together. And again, I don't know if that's coincidence. I don't know what... but. But it's that's it's all all the practices here are appeasing or communicating with Satan and his demons. Okay, that's fair then. So so really, again, that's that's a big deal to put mm-hmm. that in the same category as child sacrifice and, and sacrificing your kid. I, okay, I didn't I didn't think about that earlier, but that makes so much sense to go. Yeah, they're like you are commu- you're doing it for another god. Yeah, and it's ha- it's hashtag Team Jesus versus hashtag Team Satan. Right, right. And anybody that's participating in these is basically, even if they're hashtag Team Jesus, they're actually operating on Team Satan. Right, right. I had to do I had to do hashtag because <laughs> hashtag I wanted to seem relevant seven years ago. Okay. Well, I was gonna say yeah. <laughs> some people are gonna be like hashtag what? Well, that's a, yeah. Uh, th- that's where I I see a lot of it, like I said, among Christians or, or even among like the universalism that, that you see among like a common non-Christian. I always find interesting that they say like, well, you, you know, you should get away with uh, worshiping whatever God you want or you should be able to worship all gods or whatever. It's like, well, my God is a violent enemy of all of the other gods. So even though you think that I should be able to like I'll say bumper sticker coexist uh, with everybody else. It's like, well, I can because I'm trying to teach them about Christ, but I can't worship all the other gods and I cannot respect the worship of other gods. Right, right. Because my my God is violently like opposed to that. So I don't know if I should put this. So I was reading... As long as they're not swear words. Um, I don't know, you, you kind of said... You're kind of talking a little bit about being open-minded a little bit with the different religions, right? Well, I'm saying don't be, but... Right, don't be. So I was reading a book, um, and uh, kind of one of the things today was was kind of interesting. Um, And and just kind of going with that that open-minded and that open-minded thing. So uh, the quote was this. What's done in the name of being open-minded and compassionate of actually... Oh, wow. Okay. I, see, autocorrect is stupid. <laughs> right, let me see if I can reinterpret without autocorrect. Um, yep, I, I can't interpret that. I'll have to wow, that bring bad. that back. Yeah, it is. Um, that, that's okay. I tried to tell my wife I applied for <laughs> a position today, and it said I spied. I was like, man, it'd be so much cooler if I was a spy. Right. But really, that's not what I was doing. <laughs> and autocorrect, uh, I was trying to do, uh, for my notes, uh, about a week, a week ago, I tried to put, uh, for Deuteronomy, I was trying to do like D-E-U-T, period. Mm-hmm. And it kept changing it to debt. I was like, I don't want it to change. <laughs> like, I want the note to say do. Like, I hate auto- I hate that autocorrect is creeped into yeah. Word, and, and it's Microsoft hor- Word. You it's know? horrible because like autocorrect is- I'm, autocorrect now does me more harm than it does me good, actually. I feel like it's gotten worse. Mm-hmm. Yep. But. And it's one of those, I think, one day that I don't work, I'm just going to like send a bunch of texts and emails and not fix autocorrect and It'll just see what happens. Yeah. Right. That could be fun. I know. <laughs> I was going to say, absolutely. Uh, just a couple of, we're actually, believe it or not, running short on time. Oh, wow. That's how we roll. Okay. Um, a couple of things I had in here, just as some other notes, is uh, a lot of time the practice of divination... Um, or sorcery 
uh, was to try and gain wisdom or to get insight as opposed to relying on God. So doing that also is saying, all right, God is silent. I need to go to another source. So instead of trusting in his will as to what's happening, uh, we're, you know, trying to cheat the system. We don't trust him to do what's good. And instead we're doing our own thing. Um, and then I also had that, uh, it's kind of similar with magic, trying to change human affairs, which is the same idea. Things aren't going the way you want them to. And instead of trusting that God will work all things out to good, you're bypassing God and trying to go right to the enemy and saying, I need you to change this for me. Um, so that was also another reason once again, while, why these were abominations. Mm-hmm. We're not seeking the, the true source of life, the true source of power, the true source of time, the one who's truly sovereign over all these things. Instead, um, the Canaanites, the Israelites, the Americans, whatever, are choosing to bypass their trust in God and to say, God, I don't think you are trustworthy in this position. I'm going to instead uh, ask Satan what should be done here. Right. And and, and really, I think next week, as we kind of continue through 18, um, we'll actually see where the prophets are the next thing to be addressed. And and so really here you have, here's the not correct way of doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, here is the way of the other nations, the abominable practices, which I hate and you're not allowed to do. Um, he then gets into the prophets, which then shows us a better way of, of seeking out God and following his commands. Yes. Is this a... Yeah, it's funny. I, when I was reading this one, and we'll probably get into it, I was like, oh, it's the prophetic chapter about the prophets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we'll, um, to wrap it up, just I know these seem like harsh words, but they're serious words. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it seems like I'm being uh, closed off one-sided on the issue, but that's because I'm closed off and one-sided on the issue. So I, I don't think that these acts, whether little and innocent, like I, I actually have a thing against the uh, eight ball, the magic eight balls. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's like the, it's the same thing. Yeah. That's, that's the same as consulting your horoscope. Mm-hmm. Like, will this work out for me? Boom. And then it gives you a message and right. you're, you're trusting the lot there to mm-hmm. tell you what to do. So, and, um, and, and it's one of those that, that it's, you know, we, we may have different ideas on, on Harry Potter or the eight ball or let me see. I want to see what your thing says. Go on. Oh, I think I just figured it out. If you oh, want okay. me to read it. Um, but ultimately, it's kind of one of those things where pray about it. Um, this is scripture, and so are we, we are to pray um, over scripture. Um, we are to, to seek out God's wisdom and God's guidance um, when it comes to, uh, to what we read. And so we are by no means the authority. Um, God is the authority, and we're reading God's word. And so um, we are interpreting it and understanding it. And, and for me, I've been doing a lot of praying about it, trying to figure out, okay, well, well, what is God trying to teach me and what does that look like in my own life? And we encourage you to step back and, and really take a good, honest look as well. Um, and, and if you disagree, then, um, then, then we leave that up between you, God, and Scripture. And, and uh, this is just kind of what God has spoken to us as we've read Scripture and, and tried to understand his heart um, and, and our desire to be obedient. Mm-hmm. all right all right cool i think we're good all right guys uh thanks for listening and uh see you in two weeks bye bye